This episode is brought to you by the Nordstick, the number one way to train your hamstrings anywhere at any time. The number one injury burden in the game of soccer is, you guessed it, hamstring injury. What better way to prevent this than using the Nordstick? From endless Nordic curl variations for your hamstrings, to other lower body exercises, to even upper body and core exercises, you name your goal and the Nordstick can help you get there. Use the link in the description to learn more and get 10% off. Once again, use the link in this episode's description for 10% off. What is up, soccer players? Welcome to another episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your host, Andy, here again with another special guest, Austin Kolish, who is a DPT down True Sports in the DMV area. Austin, welcome to the show. Very happy to have you. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, for sure. Now, why don't you start off by by giving the audience uh, a little bit of about your background, what you do, and how you're involved in the sports world? Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I specialize in sports rehab, and I'm with a group called True Sports Physical Therapy in the Baltimore area. So, um, I'm one of their regional directors. I oversee about three of our locations. And our goal at True Sports is just to provide the best care to athletes, and that's from high school, college, to the pro level, and just getting athletes back on the field and making sure that they're staying safe. Yeah, for sure. And um, you also have a, a passion in, I mean, obviously you see and you treat everybody, um, but you have a special passion for one sport that's not soccer, and that's the reason why you're on this podcast today. Um, what sport is it, and what's your background in that? Yeah, so it's lacrosse. Um, it's a huge love of mine, and it's definitely one of my passions. Um, so with those of your listeners who are familiar with the state of Maryland, they'll know that lacrosse here is like a religion. It's huge. Everyone is like born out of the cradle with a stick in their hand, and everyone's played. That's both men and women's. Um, but yeah, for me, like lacrosse has been such a big part of my life. It's what really motivated me to get through to PT school. And it's a predominant um, population that I work with now. So I see a lot of like ACL rehab, um, specifically in the lacrosse community for like, again, those higher level high school soccer and some of the pros as well. Um, so yeah, it's something I love to talk about and, and love working with. And you're also a national team player. Is that correct? What, what's, what's going on with you? Yeah. And uh, you, you like to go across the pond a good bit. What's up with that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, like I love playing. Um, I came into the sport really late and, you know, not too different. I'm sure from your soccer community, again, like a lot of the lacrosse players here, like they grow up playing really early. I came into the, the game really late, so I didn't have my first high school season, um, until my junior year of high school. And then once I kind of picked up the sport, I stuck with it. I played in college. Um, I played in PT school and I, I currently play now. So I play with the Portuguese national team. My mom's heritage is, uh, you know, her family's from Portugal. So it's been really exciting to kind of be a piece of that. Um, and then I also kind of get to wear both hats. So I help them with the rehab side and the strength and conditioning aspect. And I still get to play. So while well, I still can. That That is cool. That That is really... Did you go to a World Cup? Did they have a World Cup or you went to, was it the Euros? Like what? what yeah. Tell us more, man. <laughs> this is cool. 
Yeah, so last spring, so uh, c- kind of similar to the soccer World Cup, you know, every four years there's a giant event and it's televised. Um, lacrosse follows a similar cadence. So the World Cup will actually be this summer in San Diego. Um, it's super cool because, you know, the U.S. gets to host the event. And I believe there's something around like, I think it's like 45 teams um, from across the country uh, or I'm sorry, from across the world, different countries come in out to play and compete. And then so each of these divisions um, had a uh, like a qualifying round. So last spring, um, the Portuguese team and myself, we went to Poland. It was hosted in Poland um, in the middle of April, and that was the European qualifier. So we played there. And then uh, we unfortunately did not qualify, so I will not be playing in San Diego this summer. I'm hoping to go and uh, represent as a PT for another team, though. Um but yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we there was another world tournament um, in Portugal, and it's great. If, if anyone's never been, um, I highly recommend going to Europe, and I highly recommend checking out Portugal. It's a beautiful country. Um, the food's great. The weather's great. And it's another excuse for me to play lacrosse, so it's great. Love that. Love that. Now, um, let, let's take what you've learned in terms of uh, working a lot in the lacrosse world, and let's see what we can apply to soccer. Um why don't you start off us? What can soccer players, PTs, training conditioning, whoever, what can we learn from you guys that you do well? Yeah. Um, so I, I love this question that you pose and it's definitely been kind of like racking my brain all day thinking about some different ways. And so I have a, I have a bevy of answers for you. But the first one, and I think this is probably the most um, stark contrast that I found with a lot of like my high school athletes, I think is more of like a culture thing. So Um, I think when we think about sports like American football, so much of their culture is integrated with like strength and conditioning. I think most American football players have an understanding that they need a lift and that's a part of their regiment of training. I think similarly soccer, or I'm sorry, lacrosse is as well. So I think if you were to pull like any lacrosse athlete, they either have like a pretty long history in the weight room and they understand like how that translates to the field. In my personal experience, I don't think there's as strong of a tie with the soccer community and the weight room. Um, And again, as a strength and conditioning coach myself and as a rehab specialist and being a PT, it's something that's really important. And the demands that you're putting on your body as you're competing for any field sports, all the cutting, the decel, the acceleration, um, you got to have a strong base foundation and strength. If you don't have that, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure and and definitely um, injury risk. So I, I think that's one thing I would love to see more of the soccer players that I work with is um, not that they're scared of the weight room, but like I would, I would love to have that like cultural understanding that like, yes, soccer players need to lift and they should be lifting. You are 100 percent right. And I, I think you may have even been too graceful with your, with your words of uh, <laughs> soccer players, you know, not not really buying into the, the culture. Um Super important, super important. Now, if a soccer, let's say you see a soccer player who, you know, has a nagging injury, whatever, and they end up on your treatment table. And let's say you you end up having this conversation. Um, what are some things you, you speak about to help, if not flip them over to the good side, just push them a little bit more towards where they need to be? Yeah, I, I think with, um, you know, I think some of the common injuries that I've seen with soccer players, a lot of it lies in like that overuse type category. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to that volume management conversation. I have that conversation with a lot of young athletes 
and this isn't different than uh, lacrosse versus soccer or basketball. I see this a ton in all those sports because the kids just want to play. And I get that. I think the club circuit forces kids to, to be playing year round of the same sport. And, you know, that's because everyone has dreams and aspirations of like playing in college or something like that. And that's awesome. But a big piece of that is understanding like periodization. And you need to have certain parts of your year when soccer is not the most priority uh, thing on your table right now. And it's it's got to be mobility. It's got to be strengthening. It's got to be cross training. Like um, I'm a really big advocate of like playing three sports or playing different sports and having different seasons just to kind of let your body grow and adapt in those different ways. So when I have that athlete in front of me, um, you know, I try to, I try to explain it. Like when you, when you go for a run, every time your foot hits the ground, that's six times your body weight's worth of force of that ground reaction force that's going through your leg. Like if your leg's not strong enough to support that, that force has to go somewhere. And a lot of times it's going through your shins and we're dealing with shin splints or it's going somewhere else. Um, so I, I always just try to explain like, look, in order for you to be an athlete, you need to be putting effort and time into that other bucket of strength, tissue resiliency, mobility, you know, whatever that is. Love that. Love that. Um, let's continue. Let's move forward. What else can we learn from the, the cross world? Yeah. So I think one thing that's super unique about, um, the lacrosse world is, uh, the, the skill, um, training aspect. And for example, like in lacrosse, there's a million different ways to shoot. I'm sure in soccer, there's a ton of different ways to like release um, when you're shooting. But I think we do a really good job, at least in the um, community that's like serious about training and playing at a competitive level of like breaking down those skill components. And then again, mimicking that in the weight room. So an example, like mm-hmm. I love to bring up is like for us shooting in lacrosse requires so much of that, like body rotation, um, you know, core strength and power, You'll see a lot of like strength and conditioning programs for lacrosse players, including a lot of that like core med ball rotations, uh, pile off presses, things like that. Um, I, I don't know how much of that happens with the soccer players. I, again, from my experience, it's probably not that much. I know you guys like love to spend hours on the turf and like practicing your skills, but I think there's other places kind of between just lifting weights and just doing skills work that can kind of like marry those two ends a little bit. Mm. I love that. I love that. Yeah, especially, I mean, both sports, they, they require an extreme level of skill. Yeah. Um, but I think the difference between your environment and mine is that um, that middle ground is is something that players love to be in, where it's like, yeah, I'm right in between the performance and the skill-based realm versus more often than not in soccer, if let's say a player wants to improve their shot, They'll take a bag of balls and go to the turf and spend three hours just right. hammering shots. And it's like, well, now we have some hip apophysitis. Now we got some knee pain. You know, maybe that wasn't the right decision, but it, it always comes again. Like you said, with with good coaching, good guidance as to how to improve your your overall game and not focusing too much on technical. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then like the last piece that I, I had here thinking about this is just Um, almost in the same conversation of like the skill development side. Um, Like I I think about like an offensive midfielder in lacrosse, such a big component of their game is their dodging ability and their ability to kind of like create separation from like, um, you know, movement feigns or or trying to like get a defender to bite. Honestly, we steal a lot of that from basketball, like that, um, like that hitch step or something like that. Um, 
But I, I tend to see like when I watch soccer players and when I break down their movement, they always seem like super upright. And I don't know, and you can explain this better, if that's just like an, you know, uh, like there's deception in that. I had a conversation with one of our therapists. He's also like a soccer expert. Um, he goes by football uh, rehab on Instagram. So shout out to Mateo. Um, but we've talked about like the difference between an offensive player and lacrosse when they're changing direction. You know, I think they have a really good understanding of their center of mass and um, like almost like lowering their their center of gravity when they change direction. I feel like I don't see that as much in the soccer community. So from like a skill development standpoint, um, something to think about. And like as a lacrosse person, like that's something I always think about when I watch soccer players. It, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I was speaking to a few people who um, who used to work over in Europe and their number one physical test to determine if a soccer player, if you run them through a field testing battery, will be a successful player overall is their ability to change direction doing a 5105 505 or, or yeah. anything like that. Um, and you're right. They... A lot of players, whenever they're changing direction, they're cutting, they're, they're very upright. Um, part of me wants to believe that not only do we have to change direction efficiently, but we have to do so in a way where we're also protecting the ball. Because if we drop our center of mass, that means the ball might be available to be taken away from us. So right. um, it, it's about not only having the best mechanics for that action, but protecting the ball and protecting the game, which will change significantly if you don't have the ball. And maybe those are two separate discussions. Yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile to think about. Um, and again, that's why I think you can have this conversation almost from a general generalist view as well, where I think all field sport athletes should be practicing change of direction. Like you should have, oh, um, yes. you know, graded exposure to that because that comes up in, you know, your play. So Yep. There, I mean, there's one ball, there's 22 players, right? <laughs> you know, someone's got to move without the ball and chances are it's going to be you about, you know, 95% of the time. Right. Um, okay. So those were, those were my thoughts on what soccer players can learn from us. There's one that uh, I think kind of speaks to both communities and we kind of touched it a little bit. Um, but again, I, I think both communities, and again, I would throw like football and definitely basketball in this conversation as well um, that they both suck at is just that volume management, especially in that like high school mm -hmm. or, or even collegiate athlete. There's so much of that pressure to just like play, 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 play. And then we're just like reinforcing this wear and tear down. I see it all the time with my lacrosse athletes. I see it a lot with the soccer athletes too, where it's just like, okay, well, I know you're saying I should probably take a break or I should take some type of modification of my volume right now, but I have a game this week and then I have a game. I have three games this weekend cause I'm going to a club tournament and then we have playoffs next week for high school. And it's like, all right, well like you're at, like you're basically stacking the odds against you. I, I agree with you. I see where you're coming from. I also think that the whole single sport specialization debate is frankly dead. Um, and we've lost and we need to <laughs> accept our losses and yeah. figure out how we are going to keep kids together. Um, because listen, it's clear when, when it's literally written in the rules that 
our season will be 10, 11 months, and you are not eligible to play for any other team during that time. Yeah. It, it is what it is, right? So maybe it turns into to maybe we refocus our efforts on only playing for one team at a time. Because like you said, like there, there's a lot of people who say, okay, you don't want me to play one sport. Fine. I'll play three and I'll do all three at the same time. Right. Exactly. And it's like, well, yeah. that's the exact opposite of what we need yeah. from you. You know, so that's um, why what, what I like think? to frame it in that like volume management perspective. And, mm. and I don't know, like maybe this changes. Like I applaud the um, a lot of the pro leagues. I, th- I think to my understanding, I'm not like the biggest pro soccer follower, um, that there's like a lot of like that wearable tech that goes into it. So now it's not just, OK, well, modify how much you play. It's we actually have objective measures of like mileage and and force output and you know rpe and like all these different metrics that we can use to kind of gauge because the reality is is like again the more that wear and tear you put on your body you're just increasing that risk meter of further injury or something else traumatic to happen and as healthcare providers like that's our job we want to we want to mitigate that and we want to be like a step ahead and not just wait until oh well yeah you tore your acl (laughs) You know, it's like we want to we want to prevent, like try to prevent that before it actually gets to that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we have a few more things to talk about. So don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one on one as a side hustle or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com and sign up with the code SFE to get started. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. All right, we are back on the soccer fitness experience. And as you mentioned earlier, you are a a manager, right? You help to onboard and hire people. And uh, we've even have discussions about, you know, what it takes to get a job in a true sports environment. And you certainly have that at at your location. I mean, there's, there's a lot of quote unquote sports PT opportunities out there that frankly, have nothing to do with sports at all whatsoever. Um, That isn't the case with you. So how do you guys go about, you know, finding good clinicians, great clinicians to work with? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. And um, the reality is it's, it's not easy. I think part of that is the identity crisis we have as physical therapists. 
Um, you know, when you take a lay person and you say, oh, I'm a physical therapist, their first thought in their mind may not actually be representative of the work that you do. Um, I remember you and I, when we first met, we candidly spoke about the, the difference between, um, you know, sports rehab and then when a physical therapy clinic will say that they do sports rehab and it's, it's not really. Um, so a piece of that of what we're looking for is, you know, we want to find clinicians who can somewhat mirror the patients, right? So whether that means, um, you know, you've had history as a strength and conditioning coach, if you've had history as a collegiate athlete, of course, I'm never going to hire someone based on how good of an athlete were you, but it helps. And I think the really important piece there is how well can you relate to your patient? If I know you've had um, experience coaching, if I know you've had experience um, working with athletic populations, being an athlete yourself, I know you're going to be able to relate with the patient. And at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Um, so I think in order to be a great sports PT, but in order to be a great PT, period, you have to be able to be empathetic and, and relate with whoever you're working with. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, now, obviously, you guys have a pretty cool setup where you have athletes from all sports coming in. Um, how is it that you relate to people who maybe play a sport that you're not familiar with? Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm very much a straight shooter. And so I always tend to check my bias at the door. It's something like, frankly, I'll, I'll speak about um, on initial evaluations. But even for me, like I didn't play soccer growing up. Say I had a soccer player in front of me. I'm still going to ask them the same questions. How long have you playing? What level are you competing at? What position are you? That stuff gives me really useful information because even if I don't know the sport, I can go and research it and I can, I can identify that with the patient and just say it like, look, I may need you to put some things in the context for me as we work on your rehab plan. Um, like the one example I always love to bring up is like I worked with an ultimate Frisbee player. He was a professional ultimate player and I kind of knew what it was. But I didn't know what it was. And it took like a couple sessions working with him, him being a great educator and teaching me like what the demands of his sport were and me going home and watching YouTube videos and like seeing what those guys were doing at a really high level. And it was really impressive. Mm, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. And that's, that's so important of really understanding like everybody wants to do return to play, but what are you returning to? Right. You know, like what does that really, really look like? Um, yep. So that's good that you're able to to explore that. Um, now, you obviously, you, you get a lot of applications, you get a lot of resumes. Um, can we speak a little bit to the people who are applying for jobs? Like, what can they do to stick out as a, as a good applicant? Yeah, I think a lot of your typical, um, you know, just like your typical business practices are good, right? So if you're sending a job, um, application, make sure you have everything spell checked, make sure that you've done your due diligence and have done some research. I try to make a really strong effort to be accessible. I always put out my social in there. I always put out my email and I really encourage people, like if you have questions, whether it's from a rehab side, from a professional standpoint, like I love being a physical therapist and I believe that like it takes people like you and me to kind of push the narrative forward and make the field better. So if I get a resume and either like, it says the wrong name on it, or it's spelt incorrectly, or it's just really general. And it sounds like you haven't even gone on our website or checked out our Instagram. Um, that's automatically like uh, a tick that I'm kind of putting against you. I mean, one of my favorite interview questions is asking people what their Instagram is. Because to me, hmm. it's a living resume, 
right? Like I can see in five seconds, what is the profile of the things that you find important to put out to the public? Again, if you want to be in the sports world, yeah, the downside is, is like the social media side of like the flashiness of it. But the reality is, is like, if you're putting out content, I, I can at least respect that. And I can see that and I can, I can gauge it in some way. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, what other pieces of advice do you have to soccer players, clinicians, coaches, uh, PTs, um, a one last tip of advice that you can leave with our audience for today? Yeah, I think um, one thing that's important, whether you're a player, whether you're a PT, whether you're someone applying to, for a job to get into sports PT is just be a student of the game, right? And you have to identify whatever that game is for you. Um, one thing I always talk about, it's really important for me, um, having had that coaching experience or having had that playing experience, if there's a group that you really want to be involved with, um, as you mentioned earlier, like I'm super involved with the lacrosse community. I'm currently coaching high school lacrosse now. You know, I find other ways yeah. to like build that in. Um, I think it's super important, right? Like any type of group you want to work with, just be involved and put yourself out there. I love that. I love that. Um, Austin, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. We really appreciate you and the advice that you've given. Um, what is your Instagram? Well, let's say people have questions they want to reach out. Where can they find you? Yeah, Andy, thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram at Lax Rehab. Um, my email, my contacts on there. I'm, I'm most accessible through Instagram. So send me a, send me a DM or hit me with a follow. Appreciate it. Love that. All right. Well, Austin, thank you so much for your advice and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for having me, Andy.